Thank you for joining us for another powerful message from the teaching ministry of Destiny Church. We hope that you'll be challenged and stretched to grow through today's message. But most of all, we hope that you'll encounter the Father's love. If you're in the greater Mobile Bay area, please join us for our weekend worship celebration. Or if you're looking for a church family excited for a revival, please come join us in bringing heaven to earth. This new series is going to go for about four weeks. It's called Everyday Acts, and we're just going to use that acronym of Acts there. Um, And we'll dive into like everyday things that we can do and become intentional about increasing in Christ. Listen, uh, there's uh, involuntary growth, and then there is disciplinary growth. You follow me? Voluntary growth, or, or sorry, involuntary, I may have gotten that wrong. There's involuntary growth, and there's disciplinary growth. That's what I meant. So involuntary growth is I'm born, I'm just going to get big. You know, I'm just going to grow. If it's healthy, it's going to grow. And I don't have to really do a whole lot to grow. I'm just going to grow. i got to feed myself, that kind of thing. But if I want to grow in certain ways, I have to be disciplined about it. I have to be intentional about it. And in the body of Christ, when a lot of people come to the Lord, they just think that growth is going to happen. And it's like there is a small degree of growth that will come, but the greatest amount of our growth comes through discipline, i.e. discipleship. Like we are growing because we're intentionally doing it. What are you doing intentionally to grow, to increase in Christ? I'm going to try to take us to Acts chapter 16. This is a verse of scripture that if you, a passage that if you've been in uh, the church for very long, you've heard this probably more times than, um, than you probably care to admit or imagine. And you've probably heard some really great preachers preach this uh, maybe better that I'm going to preach it to you today. But it's an incredible passage of Scripture that I believe we can learn some stuff out of. Uh, I actually used that passage of Scripture not too long ago. But in this, in this acronym of Acts, okay? So this is what, what we'll focus on for the next four weeks. Adoration, that's what we just did. If you didn't catch it, everything we just did was adoration. Worship is adoration. And so we just came out of a series that unified worship. What does unified worship look like? Listen, I don't know that we will ever be 100% unified in worship until we get to heaven. Now, I'm telling you, when we get to heaven, I know for a fact that there's not going to be anybody that's just going to go like, oh, I think I'm going to sleep in today. I'm just, uh, I'm just exhausted. We're not going to be exhausted. Our bodies won't be tired. There's not TikTok in heaven. So I know that disappoints a lot of folks. But, you know, there's not social media and all of that. that none of that will be there. There won't be, you know, uh, there are lots of things. But when we are in heaven, I'm telling you what, we're going to be unified. I don't know that on earth we're ever going to be 100% unified because we're people. And people uh, just, you know, well, I don't have to say a whole lot more about that. Uh, so adoration, we're going to be talking about that today. Confession, uh, thanksgiving, and supplication. 
So these are words that you may or may not be familiar with. I was talking to somebody just recently, uh, as, as in today, and they said, you know, until intercessory prayer, they said, I really didn't truly know what adoration was. And I mean, they knew what adoration was, but in the sense of sp the spiritual context of adoration, well, you may not know what some of these words are in, uh, in relation to our relationship with God. When we look at uh, these, a lot of times we're looking at them in the context of maybe prayer. You know, prayer is simply uh, conversation and communication with God. It's just how we communicate with the Lord. Pretty much anything that you're saying to the Lord is a prayer. Did you, did you realize that? Pretty much anything you're saying to the Lord is, uh, is prayer. And the thing is, is that we typically focus on these two, and normally we focus on them in inverted order. So when we think of prayer, we normally think of supplication, which is, when, if you don't know what that word means, it means really when you supplicate, you request. You're asking God to supply my need, God to supply my daughter or son's need. You're asking him for stuff. And when I was growing up in the church, um, that's what I thought prayer was. And, you know, I've got some young guys in here today, and it's like, you know, wonder what they think of prayer. I know when I was a kid and I was just learning things about prayer, to me, God was my Santa Claus. That's just really who he was. God, God was my sugar daddy. I went to him when I had needs. I went to him when I had to get something fixed. I, I went to him for all of my needs. And I realized there was this whole other part of relationship outside of him just being the one who fixed my stuff, who, who uh, supplied my needs. And so uh, we'll get to that a little later, but I really want to focus on adoration. I really want to focus on like, what is, my, what is my conversation? What is my relationship with God look like? And through the next four weeks, as we go through this ACTS, you know, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication, those are basically, man, just benchmarks, just uh, pillars that our relationship with God are built on. And you have to be intentional about these things. You have to be intentional. Like, listen, um, most people, if you don't realize this, you have to be intentional about adoration. You have to be intentional about worship. You have to be intentional. Spontaneous worship just typically does not happen. Like, it just doesn't. Normally, people who can break into spontaneous worship, they've already built a lifestyle of worship. So, technically, it's not spontaneous it's just continual, all right? And so as we look at adoration, man, I want you to think about this. Y'all preach with me a little bit this morning, okay? All right, when we look at adoration, this is the Greek word, proskuneo, and this is what it means. It means to revere, to bow before. It means to kiss the hand, like kiss the ring of the king. I love kissing my wife's hand. I know this might sound a little weird to you, but I just love to smell her hands. Now, if the roles were reversed, I don't know if she would like to smell my hands. But I love to smell her hands. As a matter of fact, we were pulling out of our driveway this morning, and I smooched her hand, and I'm like, I'm like, what is that? I'm like, it smells like cotton candy or something, and she's, it's some kind of cookie. I don't know. Guys do not do that. 
Guys don't go, I just think I want to smear some cookies on me, you know, rub some cotton candy all over me, you know. I mean, we're wanting like these manly scents. But when you think about, man, to kiss the ring of the king is to adore him, your majesty. You're recognizing his lordship. To revere, to bow down. That's what adoration means. Now, I want you to, I want you to let me, you know, just entertain me for just a second, all right? So I want to share with you an agnostic or an atheist's false accusation against our God. You may have heard people say this. I've never heard somebody uh, say this to me personally, but I've seen them, you know, in debates and stuff. And they said, man, I tell you, y'all have a narcissistic God. What kind of God demands that his people come before him week after week and are like, oh, you're so great. You're so mighty. You're so wonderful. Like, what kind of narcissistic, self-absorbed, arrogant, egotistical God do you serve? Like, so that's a false argument, all right? I just want to break it down to you because what does the natural do? It mirrors the supernatural, right? So let's just bring it into the natural for a second. Because when Jesus said, judge not lest you be judged by the same standard that you use to judge. Like if we're going to judge God, all right, then let's judge ourselves. All right, so let's go back to this real quick. Look at this scripture where, where they're getting this from. All right, Exodus chapter 34, 14. God is saying to his people as he's setting up the Ten Commandments. He said, you must worship no other gods for the Lord whose very name is jealous. Wow. God's name is jealous? See, sometimes when you read Scripture, you got to be careful how you read it. Because when, when you read it through a Western, Americanized, contemporary version of our understanding of jealous, we, I had so much trouble with that Scripture, man, when I was a kid. Because I'm like, but isn't jealousy a sin? Like, that's a sin. So how can God be sin? How can God be jealous? All right? So I'm trying to rationalize it through my little mind as a teenager. I'm trying to rationalize it through my mind. But let's look at it again. You must worship no other gods for the Lord, whose very name is jealous, is a God who is jealous about his relationship with you. All right? It's starting to get a little clearer. Like, wow, so God is jealous. His very name is jealous. And what's he jealous about? He's jealous about his relationship with me. All right, now I want to ask you this. Is it weird? Is it weird that our God wants to be worshipped? Is it weird that our God wants to be adored? All right, so let's bring it down to the natural level like I was asking you to a minute ago. Is it weird for my wife to want me to tell her that I love her? Is that weird? Like, you know, I'll just give y'all a little bit of, uh, all right, it's going to be PG, okay? It's going to be PG. But let me just give y'all a little glimpse into mine and Shay's love life, all right? <laughs> She'll be asking me these questions. She's like, why do you love me? And I'm like, yeah, I know, right? 
<laughs> it's a trap. She's like, why do, you, why do you love me? And when I was younger, man, I used to be like frustrated with that because it's like she's wanting me to adore her. She's wanting me to tell her the reasons why you love me. And I would be like, well, I just love you. She's like, well, why? There must be a reason why. And so she's wanting, I'm just telling you, I love her more now for better reasons. I just love her for, because she was fine. I just love her for her outer appearance. You know, I loved her because I was attracted to her. I loved her because I was infatuated with her. I loved her because she made butterflies, you know, swirl around in my tummy. You know, when I was younger, like I, I love her for all those reasons. But now that I've increased in my relationship with her, oh, it's easy for me to spout them off now. And all of them aren't even, you know, uh, physical or whatever. Some of them are, baby, I love you because you keep my world in order. I love you because you pay the bills. I love you because we got insurance. I love you because, you know, the car payments were made. I love you because of those things, you know. I love you because you ain't trashy. You know, I love you because you like to clean, keep a clean house. I love you for a lot of reasons, you know. She don't want to hear all those reasons. She want to hear the beautiful, you know. But is it weird that my beloved, that she wants to hear her beloved say things to her? No, it's not weird. So if it ain't weird to us, why would it be weird that God, who is in relationship with us, I want to break this down to you. Let's look back at this verse real quick. So in this verse, you, got, you can't read it in a Western context. You have to go to the Hebrew and you have to go in the New Testament to the Greek. But as we look in the Hebrew, kana means, doesn't really mean jealous like our word jealous means. Kana means zealous, passionate. So when you read it from the Hebrew context, oh, it reads differently. You must not worship any other gods. For the Lord, whose very name is passion, Shanda, mm, fixing a shout up here. The Lord, whose very name is passion, is passionate about his relationship with you. And I will not have a prostituted relationship. I will not have an adulterated relationship. I will not share you with anybody else. All right, listen to me. Is it unrealistic for Shay to go, hey, I'm the only one that you're ever gonna love like this, right? I'm the only one that is ever gonna, you know, man, I'm telling I told her, like, if, if something happens and she goes before me or whatever, I seriously don't think that I will ever get married again. Uh, I, I don't necessarily know until that day comes, but I just don't think I will have that desire. My God, I've been married most of my life anyway. You know what I'm saying? And it's been good. It's been good. <laughs> it's been good. But, you know, we've been married for 36 years. You know, but here's the deal. When we got married, we're like, hey, this body is only for you and your body's only for me. Nobody else. Is that unrealistic? It's not. What she's saying is like, hey, my affections are only for her and her affections are only for me. Why? Because we are in covenant relationship. Why? Because we have made a vow to each other. And when we come to God, if you walk in freedom, if you bear his name, 
sing a song forever to the Lamb. Are you following me? Man, if you made a vow, like we're married to God, so, you know, we're, we're the bride of Christ. He's the bridegroom. We're in a relationship. And he, this is what the Lord is saying, that you cannot have any other gods before me. You can't make any other graven images before me. For I am the Lord God, Yehovah Kanah. I am the Lord God who is passionate about you. I will not share you with anyone else. You cannot walk the fence. You cannot prostitute our relationship. You cannot be in an adulterous relationship with the world and me at the same time. I ain't gonna put up with that. Why? Because I'm a jealous God. Why? Because I'm a zealous God. Why? Because I'm a passionate God. Listen, you're not gonna get this anywhere else on the planet, in the universe, anywhere. Muhammad is not going to love you because he's passionate about you. Buddha is not going to love you because he's passionate about you. Every other religion on the planet, hear me church, every other religion on the planet is about us serving him. And, and, or or not, not him, is about that God, that small g. And, and we are his servants and we are his slaves and he gives nothing back to us. But our God is completely different. Our God says, I'm so passionate about you I came to serve you I came to to wash your feet I came to supply your needs I came to do all of these things I am a passionate God and I'm passionate for you listen the passion of God is what keeps him pursuing our lost loved ones Jesus think about that man when we have lost loved ones that they're not listen I want you to know he, God is not like me on, I think it was mine and Shay's second date. I guess she decided, she had a brain lapse or something. She decided she didn't want none of this. And I'm like, girl, I got options. You know, I got some options. So I'm like, she, she, she was just treating me just bad. And I, I looked over to her, my little 1968 Volkswagen Beetle. Can you imagine? This, this is what I'm cruising the strip in. And I look over at her and I said, what's wrong with you? And I don't know. She gave me some flimsy answer. And I'm like, girl, I'm taking you home. I'm taking you to the house because I can call three girls right now. <laughs> and so I took her home. Put her out, boop, you know, this is second date, second date. I'm like, no, that didn't work. All right, I don't know, I'm going to get back on track. I was going somewhere with that story. <laughs> but here's the deal. So here I am on this date, you know, and I'm, I'm this ain't going to work. This ain't going to work. This ain't going to work. So I'm going to pursue something else. Mm, mm, mm. Y'all. It wasn't that she really didn't like me. She really did like me. You know, I don't know what she was trying to figure out up in her head. But when she finally got it together, she came back and she pursued me. She pursued me. I'm telling you what, 
the Lord is pursuing. He's so passionate about our loved ones. Listen, I'm telling you, you can take refuge in this. We'll, we'll get so down and discouraged about those who are, are, listen, you pray for them, you pray for them, and if they've had any word invested in, in them, you activate the word, you remind the Lord, God, you're the Lord God who is faithful to your word. That's part of adoration. Lord, God, your word will not return void. You are an active God. Psalm 91, I declare over, and, and listen, God is passionate. He is pursuing them. Even now, they may not be pursuing him, but he is pursuing them. He's pursuing them. Look at this. Look at this. Intimacy affects adoration. Men don't necessarily like that word intimacy, but intimacy is just the word that means closeness, like closeness. Like, I can be intimate with a friend of mine. I can share things with that person that I wouldn't share a stranger, but intimacy with my wife or intimacy with my children or intimacy with, you know, uh, closest friends that I've known for 20 years, that may look different. So as my intimacy with the Father increases, so does my adoration of Him. I just want to, as my intimacy with the Father increases, it becomes easier for me to adore him. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, but intimacy, adoration, or sorry, let me, let me say, say it like this. Adoration is harder than you think it is. I'm gonna prove it to you here in a little bit. Adoration is harder than you realize to express. You can think it easier than you can express it but he didn't call us to be thinkers of the word he called us to be doers of the word he didn't call us to have good thoughts and good intentions he called us to be intentional and to be doers of the word so say this with me as my intimacy with the father increases so does my adoration of him let's look at acts chapter uh, 16 drop down to verse 25 through 30 Again, I think you know this well. This is where Paul and Silas are in jail. They've just, um, remember I was preaching this not too long ago in our spiritual warfare series. Paul and Silas, they had cast the, the devil out of uh, the demon-possessed girl who followed them around and was... If you look at that, let me just, I'm not preaching on that, but I'm just processing it in my mind. If you look at that, mm, there might be a sermon in there somewhere. If you look at that, that girl, she looked like she was adoring God. But she was possessed by a devil. She looked on the outside like she was worshiping God. And she was like... You know, praise the Lord, you know, Paul and Silas, these great mighty men of God doing great works. And man, she has followed them around. And they cast that devil out of her. And then she gets put in prison for that because she kills the li they kill the livelihood uh, of some businessmen who were using her to profit from, you know, psychic type business. And look, they, so they're thrown in prison, they're beat, uh, thrown in um, their, their whole thing, you know, these trumped-up charges. And <clears throat> as they're in there, uh, let, let me, can I just back up to verse 23? 
verse 22. Amog quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wood rods. That don't sound fun. They were severely beaten, so they didn't get a tap, tap, tap. I mean, these boys were roughed up. They were severely beaten, and they were thrown into prison. And the jailer was ordered to make sure that they didn't escape. So the jailer put them into the inner dungeon, and he clamped their feet in stock. So I want you to think about this for a second. And just, you know, if you've ever been to a jail, you know you got maximum security prison. you got maxim, uh, maximum security uh, places. You have some uh, uh, of those that are incarcerated that are known by the term trustees in most places. They can get up and they can move around the facility. They, they're given jobs. They're trusted to do some things. But then you've got those that are in the maximum security. And then you've got those that are shackled hands and feet. And, you know, you'll see them walking, walking down through there and they're, they're shackled. All right. These boys, they didn't get into the outer parts. They went into the deepest parts of the jail. They were in maximum security in the jailhouse. So like it's not looking good. And so it's it's only a few places from there. Like, you know, uh, either they're exonerated or they're going to be in prison in horrible conditions and maybe even beheaded. So, I mean, it's not looking good. All right. So here we are in verse 25. It says around midnight. All right. Midnight is a dark time. I don't know why, but that's known as the darkest part of the night. It's dark in a metaphorical sense. It's the, it's the worst part. You know, anything bad that's happening is happening around midnight. It's like any, any, anything in the occult world, you know, midnight, you know, it, 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 that, when time is up, when the clock strikes, you know, it's the end of all things. And so around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying. Around the darkest part of the night, they were praying. What were they doing? <clears throat> they were, uh, I think it's, pros, give me just a second, uh, prosukomai. All right, is, is the Greek word for that. Prosukomai. All right, prosukomai. All right, what did I, uh, the, the, the Greek word that I shared with you earlier, proskuneo, proskuneo, adoration means to bow down. So prosukomai, they were prosukomaiing. All right, are you following me? Proskuneo, like they weren't, God, get us out of this place, Father. You got to get us out of this place, man. They're going to behead us. Are, are you following me? Please, please, please get this. Uh, God, please get us out. Because like, man, our heads literally are on the chopping block. God, come on, man. You got to do something. No, they were prosukomai. Proskuneo. They were kissing the hand of the ring. I know who you are. Jesus, I know we in jail, but I know who he is. Come on. I just, I just need somebody on the organ right there. <clears throat> well, I know where I am, but I know where I'm going. Mm. They, so when, when they are here, it says, Paul and Silas were praying they were not just supplicating. They were adoring. It says that they were singing hymns to God. 
and the other prisoners were listening. Like, uh, I can't remember the Greek word for hymns, but, uh, but, but it even sounds like hymns. It's actually where we get the English word from. And hymns are songs that are about God's attributes. Are you following me? So hymns are about God, his attributes. In other words, hymns are songs of adoration. They are sitting in this jail, they are shackled, and they are adoring God. And I just want to just like, man, let's just think about it. Let's just, they're in the cell. They're not supplicating, but they're like, I don't know what you came to do. I don't know what you came. Y'all don't know that song? I came to praise the Lord. You know, and I, I can imagine, oh, Silas is over here and oh, Paul's over here and Paul saying, I don't know what you came to do. 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 But I came to praise the Lord. I come to praise. Praise his holy name. I come to, you know, and, and dude, <clears throat> This is what's happening in this jail cell. And mm, 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 suddenly there was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundations. And the, uh, and the doors immediately flew open and chains of every prisoner fell off. The jailer woke up to see the prison doors open wide. He assumed the prisoners had escaped and he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted, stop, don't worry, we're still here. Don't hurt yourself, we're all here. And then the jailer called for the lights and ran to the dungeon and he fell down. Oh my God. What happened? He fell. What, what does proskuneo mean? It means to kiss the, the, the hand, the ring finger, the signet ring of the king. It means to bow. What? Oh, Jesus. What did the jailer do? He came in because he knew what had happened was supernatural. And he comes in and he falls down. He begins to adore and he doesn't even know what he's doing. Do you understand? He knows something's not right in this house. He knows that something in this jail is not, quote, normal. He knows that something has happened and he bows, maybe in fear, but he bows, and it's the beginning of proskuneo for him. It's the beginning of adoration for him. And when he finds out what has happened, they replied. Or actually, verse 29, the jailer called for the lights, and he ran to the dungeon, and he fell down, trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they replied, all you have to do is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved along with everybody in your household. Jesus. Hang on a second there. I'm fixing to lose my voice. Hang on a second, Jesus. I know this, you know this, but we just need to stay on it for a second. They replied, it's what you got to do to be saved. So this is going to hit somebody prophetically right here. They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. Along with everyone in your household. Hang on a second. Because that ain't. <clears throat> All right. So listen to me. 
That ain't what Romans said. It says, all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's what Romans says. But they over here in Acts, and they are saying, all you have to do is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you and all your household. Like, they're talking about this prophetically. They're talking about this prophetically. Like, you're going to be saved and your children are going to be saved and your grandchildren are going to be saved. So listen, I'm just telling you right here, right now, right here in this place today, if the enemy has told you any other lie... I'm telling you, that's a lie of the devil. I speak to you prophetically just like these apostles spoke to you prophetically. All you have to do is believe on the name of the Lord and be saved. You and your whole household are going to be saved. They will be saved in the name of Jesus. And so what you're seeing right here, man, is these guys' intimacy with the Lord. And you have to understand intimacy. Like, see, Shay and I, we didn't just, we didn't just get to where we are intimate-wise, like, it just happened. Are you following me? We increased in our intimacy. Y'all bear with me for a second. All right, I'm gonna show y'all what our intimacy looked like. Like, listen, I'm, I'm sick of you. I'm tired of this. I don't like this. And I'm telling you what, I'm just tired. <laughs> Night, I can't tell you how many nights Back in 1987 and 88 and 89 and 90, when we just brand new married, we in our little tiny apartment. You know what was happening? See, we think we got married and, oh, we just loved each other and kissed each other's hand. And I just smelled her hand every day. You know, no, 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 no. I'm telling you what, we went through the valley of the shadow of death a few times. We went through some things with each other. We've experienced some things with each other. And that's why Shay and I are so intimate with each other. Because I know those looks. I know her face. I know when she's going through something. I know when her spirit is off. I know when her emotions are off. Because I've walked through those times with her. See, with us, a lot of times we'll have to walk through some stuff with the Lord. We'll have to walk through some stuff with the Lord. We'll have to walk through some times where we'll be suffering and persecuted. And he is there with us because he's the passionate God that he is. He loves us. As I increase those persecution times, I'm increasing. Those trying times, I'm increasing in my intimacy. Those times when I've failed and I get back up again and I look like a failure, I feel like a failure. I have increased in my intimacy. Every time I get off the floor, I've increased in my intimacy. I'm stronger than I was before I got down there. That's what intimacy looks like. See, when they are in the jail, they've already been through some stuff. They've already been through some questioning. God, where you at? They've already been through some times. Where God, where are you? God, we need you. God, what did we do wrong? They've already been through that. Paul and Silas, these are guys, they're failures in so many ways. But God, in his passion, didn't let them go. In his passion for them. They're sitting in that jail cell thinking about how many times I failed him. But you've been so good. You love me. 
You love me. You know, we could be in that jail cell singing songs like, he is my, my, my. He is Kana for me. Jesus, come get that song ready. Come get that song ready. The whole team, y'all come get it ready. He is Kana for me. He loves like a hurricane. Oh, God, I've disappointed you so much. Don't matter, because I am jealous for you. So they're just worshiping him in this time, man. And I'm telling you what, as my intimacy with him increases, so does my adoration of him. I want you to look at these six things real quick. I want you to look at these things real quick. Number one. Adoration invites God into my life. Church, the only time, uh, well, not the only time, church cannot be, this corporate gathering cannot be the only time that you adore him. You got to learn to do it every day. That's why this is called everyday acts, everyday adoration. See, I don't have to come into this house I've had a person to tell, look me in the eyeball one time and tell me, there ain't no way you can get that deep in the spirit. Um, that, y'all just putting on, you know. There's no way that people can get that excited every week. Y'all are manipulating people. And I'm like, listen, I'm just telling you, this is not something that I started doing yesterday. This is something that I've been cultivating pretty much my whole life since I was about 16 years old I'm not a vet, I'm not a novice worshiper I'm a veteran worshiper I don't need to come into a place man I could be in Walmart and hear a song on the radio and get off in the Holy Ghost in a New York minute because adoration invites God into my life Psalm 22 and 3 says it like this that Jehovah, Yehovah, inhabits the praise of Israel. He inhabits the praise of his people. Adoration draws Holy Spirit. I'm just telling you, if Shay is at the house, she's like, Rife, come in here. I want you to hang this picture up for me. But if I know that voice, and it's like, right. She's like, come, come in here. I want to show you something. And, I, and, and it's the voice that it's like, it's a little luring voice. I'm like, Adoration, it invites the presence of God into our life. Look at this, number two, it sets up God as my priority. First commandment, that's what we were just reading in Exodus chapter 34. You'll have no other gods before me, for I am Jehovah, Yehovah, Kana. I'm the priority, I'm the only one. And when we adore him every day, when we make this intentional, it's part of our lifestyle of who we are. It sets God up as my priority. Number three, 
it reminds me of who God is and what he can do. This is so powerful. In Matthew chapter 6, the disciples said to Jesus, hey, teach us how to communicate with God. They said, teach us how to pray. But that's really what they meant. Teach us how to communicate with God, how to talk to God. And this is what he said. He gave us the model, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. All right, bring that into the vernacular of today. Our great God, your name is so holy. What name? What name? Oh, the many names of God. Jehovah Sikinu. Jehovah Imkadesh, Elohim, Adonai, uh, Jehovah Kana, Jehovah Sikinu. I think I said that one already. Uh, Jehovah Rapha, the Lord God, our healer. Uh, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord God, my provider. Jehovah Shalom, God, my peace. Jehovah, my defender. Jehovah, my banner. You know, when, when we know what his name is and we come to him and say, God, I just come to you in your name. You are Jehovah Rapha, my healer. It reminds me of who he is. When the enemy comes in at you and goes, you know you have cancer, right? You know that breast that you, that, that, that knot that you've been feeling on your breast or that place in your prostate, you know that, that's cancer and it's going to kill you. Uh, you know what? All of a sudden, if we're not careful and we've not developed a lifestyle of adoration, God heal this cancer Oh, I'm telling you what. Why don't you start off on the opposite end of where we normally start at and go, Jehovah Rapha. Hey, my healer. I just want you to know that I'm here to take you up on your blood. I'm here to receive my healing from you, God. Because you're my healer. I saw you do it for Melissa. There, I saw you do it for Melissa. I saw you do it for him. I saw you do it for them. I saw you do it. Now it's time, Jehovah Rapha, to heal me. Because I trust you, God. So it starts with the adoration of his name. It reminds me who God is and what he can do for me. I'm telling you what, when anxiety comes uh, against you, God, deliver me from from this oppression, depression, why don't you just start adoring him? When the enemy comes and says, I'm, I'm, I'm going to drive you crazy. I'm going to drive you I'm going to cause you to have a nervous uh, breakdown. His name is Jehovah Shalom, God my peace, Jesus. You see what I'm doing? I'm praying, but I'm adoration. I'm proskuneo praying. He's Jehovah, my peace. Oh, he's my defender. I don't even have to defend myself against you, devil. He's my deliverer. Oh, he's my friend. He's my passionate God. He's my lover. He's the lover of my soul. See, I ain't asked him for one thing. What am I doing? I'm reminding the enemy of who I am, who he is, and what is mine. Are you getting it? Yeah. Come on now. Amber and Shay, y'all come to the stage. It humbles me and positions me for a place of grace. James 4, 6 says that God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Oh, when we humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord. God, you big and I'm little. You're all knowing and I'm not. It humbles us puts us in a place to receive grace you know what grace is man grace is receiving all of those things that we don't deserve 
but he gives them to us anyway y'all come on number five it breaks chains and opens doors there is a freedom when we begin to adore him when Paul and Silas were were in in the jailhouse I'm just telling you unless there was some prasukamai happening I don't think those doors would have opened I don't think everything would have happened the way it did but they chose to break some chains by praising God and adoring him and then this is the last one it magnifies listen to this it magnifies my provider instead of my problem somebody needs to hear that today your problem looks so big but when you take a magnifying glass if I had a magnifying glass right here this does not get bigger it stays the same but my perspective of it gets bigger and you can either magnify your problem or you can magnify God, adore God. That's what adoration means. It means to magnify the greatness of something. It magnifies my provider. Oh, come on, church. I want you to stand to your feet because we're going to sing this song really kind of as our benediction. And this is how we can put this into practice. Because if you only hear this today and you don't take, go out of here and do something with it, I want us to spend two minutes. We're, this is what we call an activation. We're activating the Word. All right? You can't ask the Lord for anything. You can't ask Him for anything. You can't even thank Him for anything. And this is where I said, I'm going to prove to you, it's harder than it looks. So in just a minute, as we go into adoring Him... You can't do this. You can't say, oh, I thank you, Lord. No, you can't thank him. We're going to do that in a few weeks. You can't ask him for anything. I just ask you, Lord, to come on it. No, you can't ask him for anything. All you can do is adore him. And just That's attributes of who he is to you, what you love about him. All right? Now, I want you to try it. It's harder than it looks. And if you fail and you thank, because I'm telling you, before you know it, you'll be thanking him for his goodness. That's, just try to say, oops, I said thanks, and just go back to praising him, all right? So for two minutes, two minutes, did I tell you it was harder than it looked? It's harder than it looks, right? It's harder than it seems. Did you say, see, I, I messed up twice. Started thanking him. It's okay. The point is, is, is not to be religious about it. The point is that was an activation, an exercise to show you how easy it is to thank him for things. When we do that, it still indirectly places the focus on us because we got something. When we supplicate, again, that's on us. When we confess, again, it's on us. Adoration puts it on him and makes him the priority of all of this. Um... I'm going to tell you, you know, Pastor Rife, I, I just want to use myself and these guys. How did, how did, how did y'all get to the place uh, where you can do what you were just doing? How did you get there? Can you hear me? How did, yeah, I was going to say the same thing. Practice. Yeah, practice. Know. Yeah. You're just doing it all the time. And I'm telling you, man, I'm doing it all the time in Walmart, washing my car, in the shower. I'm just constantly. And, you know, and, and it's not always pretty. 
It, that's not the point. The point is just adoring Him. And we did this exercise uh, similar to this in our inter night of intercession. And it's like, man, I was just really impressed by the people that, it's like, hey, here's a microphone. Just adore the Lord for two minutes or however long you can go. And I'm, it's not about how on, t on pitch and tone and all, it's not about that. It's just about giving God. And I'm telling you what, when you begin to do that, unity of worship. Unity of worship. That's what adoration is. And when you do this and it becomes an everyday act, like something you do all the time. So when we come into the house of God like this and we say, come on, we're just going to lift our voices up for a moment. All right, we're just going to create the atmosphere for our holy God to come on in. And then when we worship you, we adore you, we glorify you. Listen, it's not going to be a hard thing for you to do. Pastor Rife, I just ain't into that. Well, you need to get into it. You, you do. Because adoration, dude, is like, do you love him or do you not? Well, I just don't show my affection for the Lord that way. You know what? There are some ways that Shay likes me to show her love that I don't necessarily, that's not my strength. Like, I'm not a good gift giver. I, I don't give, like, really good gifts. But I can serve her all day long. But that's not the way she receives love. So I'm over here working myself to death for this woman, creating this beautiful everything for her. And she's like, eh, thanks, I guess. And then I can go buy her some cheap flowers. I don't buy you cheap flowers, though, baby. But I could buy her something that's a gift and give to her, and she is ecstatic about it. The, the littlest thing. Why? Because I spoke her love language. When we come together, we're, it's not about us anymore. It's not about us. So it's like I used to be the most intimidated, shy, bashful, introverted, shrink-into-my-shell little turtle of a person whenever I came to the Lord. I'm like... I will not let the rocks cry out. I will not let the rocks cry out for me. All right. This is the second thing you're going to do, and then we're going to sing this song as our benediction. All right. Each day this week, as you leave today, um, I forgot to give the message to somebody, but I guess y'all saw these out there somewhere. All right. As you leave today, they're going to have one of those little post-it notes that is on the screen. And you're going to take five minutes adoring and praising God for a specific reason. So today's your first day. So you got, what's, what's your first reason that you're going to adore? And I'm going to, I'm going to put a little spin on this because God said through his son Jesus, here's, here's the two most important commandments. And they're really just one because the second one is equal to the first. Love the Lord your God. Adore the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. What was the second one? Love people. So you can adore somebody. Like you, if you want to, you can adore God or you can adore somebody. You can alternate it. You can do them both on the same day. But I'm telling you what, man, just put a thank you note in the mail to somebody. Just send somebody out of the blue a text just adoring them, appreciating them, admiring them for something that they are or who they are, an attribute uh, of who they are. And so as you leave today, make sure you get one of those. What if, why, why am I? Post it. Here's the reason. I'm trying to get you into the 
lifestyle of intentionality. Post this at a place where you're going to see it. Post it right beside your bed when you get up. Post it uh, on the cabinet in your you know, bathroom. Post it uh, on your dashboard before you get in your car. You see it and you just go, God, I'm just thanking you for... Or, oops, sorry, you're not thanking him. You're, God, you are... You're always on time for me. God, you're so patient for me.